Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Gracie here with the Canopy Group Facts. The Canopy Group writes more new business in one month than a captive agent writes in three years. How's that possible? We'll share some other facts to make you understand. Fact two, the Canopy Group offers 16 different insurance companies, not just one. Fact three, the Canopy Group offers annual policies, not six-month policies, that leave you at risk for two premium increases per year. Fact four, the Canopy Group offers one deductible at claim time, not two, three, four, even more. Fact five, the Canopy Group will shop your home and auto insurance with their 16 companies every year. Captive insurance agencies can't do that because they only have one company. Now that you have the facts, it's time to get options. Call 800-967-3389 or visit thecanopygroup.com. Always fun, crazy. It's painful, but it's wonderful. What is the name? It's Roycey Unchained. You know, Patrick, I've decided it's a lot more fun to go to the ballpark when <laughs> Rocco puts Byron Buxton's yes, name in on the, the lineup card. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, I was home watching uh, one of the great swings in the Twins' 62-year history. That that pitch being up in 97, 98. Mm-hmm. And uh, being right on time with that uh, was, you know, obviously that's where they were trying to get him out earlier in the game, struck him out three times. And then a little breaking ball away, he hit that to right field, hit that out. And then this thing was, I read that in the stat cast era, mm-hmm. longest walk off yet, 469. It yes. was unbelievable. That said, mm-hmm. this attempt to make Buxton a the, there's some idiot who keeps wanting to get me in this debate that Buxton's better than Puckett. Okay. Let me start with this. I just did the number. The last five years counting this year, Buck has now played 225 of 561 games. 225, that counts the game he left in Boston, right, after one thing. 225 of 561. He's played 40% of the game. From 85 to uh, 93, Puck averaged 157 games. And then the next year, they the season got shut down, and I think he played 108 out of 111. So then he got, he got hurt for really the first time in his career in 95. That said, Puck, this warrior, comes fighting back after missing only five games with a tingle, right? 
Yes. He had a tingle. Tingle. He only missed five games. Just think of how many games, you know, the rest of them would have missed if they had a tingle. Tingles are dangerous. And that puck, <laughs> that puck at the slacker, he shut her down when he went blind and only one eye. Why didn't he play? You don't need both eyes to hit, do you? What the, how many games do you think Buck would miss if he went blind? He'd be right back out there the next day, don't you think? <laughs> I, don't love, you think? I love the fact you're, that someone's trying to drag you into that debate. debate. So I came back and said, I'm sorry I don't have time for this because I'm trying to decide whether Bundy or Blylevin is the greatest right-handed starter <laughs> in Twins history, you know? And somebody, I think he responded seriously on Twitter to that. But anyway, that said, who has been saying for five years or three years at least, and you've been along, that the Twins are 20% better when he plays? And all the stats they come up with show that. Whether your stats or not, I'm saying this with my eyeballs, right? I'm saying this when he plays... (laughs) Your defense is 20% better, your pitching is 20% better, and your hitting is 20% better. And I said defense, and I apologize. Your fielding is 20% oh, better. Oh, God, did you feel yeah. that? Your pitching is 20% better, and your uh, hitting is, is 20% better. And maybe a little, right now, probably a little higher than 20%. What is interesting is what what an example this guy is how hard this game is Mm -hmm. to get to your zenith. Because look Mm -hmm. back, there's a year there where he hit 150. He didn't play a lot, but he hit 150. They had to send him back to the minors. He was about 24 then, right? 23, 24, 23. He was completely inept. Yes. And he had every moron on the team... And every moron who came in to visit him, and we need the leg kick. We need the timing. I said, what we need is when they throw you a down-the-shoot <laughs> fastball on strike one, not to take it, to hit it. Right. Because that's the best pitch you're going to get. Right. Because the next time, the next fastball is going to be a little bit away, and you're going to follow it back. And then they're going to throw one in the other's batter's box, mm-hmm. and you're going to swing at it. Because you're an immature hitter. But the fact that he, once once he told everybody to shut up, I'm going to swing hard and take my chances like I did to be the number two overall draft, or number two overall draft choice, that's when he started hitting, right? That's when he started hitting that. You know the first pitch. If it's if it's he he doesn't automatically. Well, they don't they don't throw him that cookie fastball anymore on strike one because right. they know he's not going to take it. Right. So they go to work on him. But it is amazing that it took him until he's twenty eight and a half now. It took him till twenty seven to catch it up, catch up with it, figure it out. And I think also, don't you? Those three at bats that he had to start the game when he struck out would have oh god ruined him completely would have been would, over he would, he would have been hopeless they might have pinch hit for him yeah back in he would have been hopeless he went up and hit two home runs he doesn't let that stuff bother him anymore it's maturity emotionally yes but it's also maturity of get out of my head 
I'll take care of this. You know, don't talk to me. Yeah. You know, he got really good finally yes. when he got the confidence to tell people to buzz off. Yep. You'd have, you'd have, I mean, and you could see that like from, from the time that his last bad year came to an end mm-hmm. to spring training the next year when he said, went, and went down all worked all winter yes, and, and went back yes. to what he used to do and said, I'm, we're now going to do this my way. Yes. Right. Which, which, you know, in baseball, it's funny because I think that's a major problem. I oh, think it is a ton of people are going to tell you with their, with their charts and everything else, what you should do. And he finally mm-hmm. said, bleep off. Yes. But he was also being not only screwed up by the new wave of generation of, Mm -hmm. you know, study everything with Korea uh, interestingly is totally into all that stuff. But he was also the old school. Okay, we'll find one little timing mechanism or something. So he had to deal with both administrations, right? Yes. He yep. had to deal with the the first administration that, that tried to fix him with leg kicks and stuff. And it really took the Falvey crew about three years to get into completely new age stuff. So the first half of his career, it was, you know, let's find that little thing that'll make you click. What's interesting is, and I talked to Molitor about this a few times. Molitor, the greatest first pitch fastball hitter I ever saw in my life, could never get him to be that aggressive because I think he had other, mm-hmm. I think he had other people, and there were people in the organization at the time who thought Joe Mauer's way to hit was the way to hit, get getting a hitter's count, and uh, you know the hitter's count is a zero zero fastball right down the pipe, right? Yes. That's your hitter's count. So. Yes. So I mean that ball yesterday was incredible, and uh, and that swing was incredible, and the idea that he was capable of something like that four years ago is uh, is uh, amazing because to catch up to the ball up there is uh, you know was was phenomenal. The the you, uh, Liam Hendricks, I can guarantee you, is the most shocked man in America. I think he hurt his neck flipping around to see what happened. The so. oppo shot was really impressive, yes, too. Yes, On that day... Because that's the pitch he used to change. Well, and you're strong as hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, that was, thing got out. Was the wind coming in? Yeah, and I mean... It was it, a south wind, at least on Saturday. No, that was that was a that was a shot mm-hmm. to get out of the yeah, ballpark. It, it, I mean, it, that guy is now strong as an ox. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Again... With very little help from the Twins, I think. I think it, he goes home in the off season. He doesn't work out with Twins people. Mm-hmm. He got his own guy. Mm-hmm. He gets a little stronger. He gets a little confident, and uh, you know, if he can play. But it's still a big if because none of us is going to be surprised if he runs over a base and misses a week or something. You know. As long as he is on the active roster and not deemed to have to go on yes. the IL. If he needs a day off here and there, sure. Tweak something, I'm cool with that. But let's not let's not introduce more days off than are necessary because yes. because what you said is a thousand percent correct, which is when he plays, they got a chance. Yeah. And, and when he doesn't, they're okay at best. And neither side will ever admit it, but 
Rocco said on Friday when he didn't play after DHing Thursday, they have a plan. I would 100% guarantee you that after he played the whole game on Saturday, that the plan was not to play him, and he said, no, I'm playing. I believe that. I would believe it was, because you know damn well they were going to, you know, they were going to slide him back in there, and he finally said, enough, I'm going to play. So that's my theory anyway. I do think he's tough. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think this is ever him saying... Something hurts. I'd like not to play. I don't think that. Not I now. I don't think he says. Yeah, I, I don't. Know. I don't think he goes in and says my knee hurts. I need five days. Off. No, 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 no. But uh, when you are as dramatic as he was on the slide, the clumsy slide. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not sure. I think he did last year. Let me run this. I thought he took year. an extra week at least to come back from everything he did, but. Maybe not. Now that he's got his money, I'm sure that he doesn't mind playing. I think he's an emotional dude. Yeah. So I think he get. I think it hurt. He's pissed off. Suppressed emotion. Yeah, but I mean, when when it comes out, it comes out. Yeah. My point being is, he gets hurt in Boston. Next day, yes. take it off. I don't give a damn. You don't need to give him when when you don't play him, you are taking away a chance to win. And I I don't buy into this. Well, who cares about April games? Yes. Well, last year they cared a lot because they never recovered. Correct. But, uh, yeah, I here's I, I just don't get clean MRI. I feel great after two days. Why does he miss three more games? Well, and what I told Mackie today on the show was this. The next time that this takes place, and with Rocco it will, mm-hmm. I think the reporters need to go to Buck and say, did you ask out? Yeah. And if he says, no, I can play, mm-hmm. that becomes the story. Yes, of course. You've been in the clubhouse lately. Good luck. You could shoot a machine gun off in there and nobody's there. Home clubhouse after games, Buck. Maybe after comes games. In. I haven't been there. After he usually games. comes in. I'm just saying this one question. Yeah. Did you ask not to play? Yeah. Why, are, tell you you. Not, why are you not playing? He'll yeah, tell he you. will. Yeah, he'll if care. he's unhappy about something, he'll tell you. Yeah. But, uh, hey, first place, baby. Oh, good. Wasn't this going to be the improved Central? Oh, my God. I was saying this earlier, though. The, the White Sox have had the bad vibe since spring training. And teams like yes. that. Seasons get vibes. Yep. Lynn gets hurt. That left-handed pitcher was good. Crochet. Yep. Yeah, Crochet. Yeah, they shut him down for the year. They got another pitcher hurt. Moncota gets hurt right away at the start of the season. They got hamburger playing third base or some damn thing. And they just, now Eloy is going to miss six weeks. Yeah, and that's not going to be good for a month. No, no. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those years that things aren't, oh, Giolito was out for, what, um, two weeks at least, right? Mm-hmm. So he made the opening day start, and then yesterday was the first time he'd pitched again. Mm-hmm. It's just they've got the bad vibe, and with them having the bad vibe, all these teams are the same. Cleveland, who I was thinking, ah, they get good pitching. They're pretty good. They just went and got swept by the Yankees. So, um, and Miles Straw almost got killed with beer cans and stuff. Can I run a thought past you? And I understand fans shouldn't throw things in beer, especially. Mm-hmm. But can you imagine if Miles Strom was in straw, the old straw? Yeah, what, yeah, straw. Sorry, was in the old Yankee Stadium. 
1976. That, that right field, yeah. And tried to scale that thing. Yeah. To go, they would have. Yes. He would not have lived. My brother-in-law, a, a gentleman, you know, before they, I think this was one of the World Series. I think it was the old park before they redid, before they redid it, right? In the 70s? Okay. Yep. No, no, but this place has only been there, what, 10 years? Eight yeah. years, eight years. I mean, no. So I, it was how long? About oh nine or so. Okay, it was it was before that at one of those World Series. I think in the late nineties, and he got a ticket for the World Series game to sit in right field. Oh God! He could only take seven innings. He said it was the greatest time of his life, but he could only take seven. <laughs> they made him move like nine times to get their buddies in there. No, you. This is my ticket. No, you're sitting over yep. there, and uh, you know they're. Yep. They're moving them around. Yep. There's there's a few guys out there that are the commanders and uh and they it just they quit just, serving beer out in right field at some point. Mm-hmm. I went to a game with David Shannon, who we, we both yeah. w- worked with at the strip in ninety-eight. Okay. And I made the mistake. I had no idea. This is one of the stupidest things I ever did. I made the mistake of wearing an Orioles hat. Mm-hmm. And they were playing Kansas City, mind yeah, you. you were not even a... These people were harassing me to the point of where one finally, <laughs> one of the guys finally very quietly came to, to me and said, are you okay? <laughs> I said, yeah, just take the hat. Yes. Well, I've told the story a uh, hundred times of uh, one of the series. Well, it was the Brave series when they got it. Uh, when the Braves came into Yankee Stadium, won the first two, and then lost the next four. So that was 96, was it? 96, 95 or 6. Yeah, I admit that really good Braves team. and 96, I think. And they got it. Somebody stuck it to them on day one, and then Maddox on day two, on game two on Sunday night. And we they had the auxiliary box in the lower deck, like behind third base, instead of down in the left field corner where they moved it lady. So we were amongst them. We were like, you had your maybe, you had maybe fifteen rows of fans, and then we were taking up a sec, a couple of sections with maybe eight nine rows, right? And so it's halfway through the second game, and they can't get a run. They can't do anything with Maddox in and out, in and out Maddox. And uh, some guy turns around and says. It's these bleeping medias. These medias have screwed up the aura of Yankee Stadium. Let's kick the oh, you know, no. bleep out of them. Let's, let's, you know, let's, they're going to come and beat the crap out of us because we've ruined the aura. And this skinny 20 year old Italian security person, girl, woman. Comes up and she sees me looking around. She says, "That's all right, big fella. I'll take care of you." <laughs> you know that New York attitude. Yep. You know that's a you know a tough, a tough oh, Italian God. girl from Queens. She was, and she probably would have too. Yeah, she, she yeah, probably would have she, kicked some ass. Yeah, it was, but it was unbelievable. And I knew that was going to be a bad night when I went to the boys' room that was back up behind on the top of the first deck. An hour before kickoff, 
and they were already urinating in the sinks. Oh, God damn. <laughs> you know, oh, the old stadium was a sinks. freak show. It, it was, was cool. I loved it. In the sinks. I thought, okay, fifth inning, you yeah, no. full of beer. We shouldn't be peeing in the sinks pregame, for God's sakes. It was it was amazing. Oh, the old building was. Oh, God. I loved it. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. It was, yes. it was a circus show every single night, I thought. Do you know, I've been at it so long that my first two years on the Twins beat were the two years that they were ripping down the original. So I never got to see oh, the original. Okay. 74 and 5. Yep. They played at Shea. And uh, so I didn't get to see the original, but I did get the Twins open the new one, which is now the old <laughs> one, in 76. Okay. And that's when they had the hour-long pregame ceremony with the widows of Lewis and no, no, uh, Jack Dempsey was still alive, I think, maybe. But Joe Lewis's widow and Jack Dempsey and the Gehrig and Ruth widows and Red Grange and, you know, all the guys that boxed and played football in there. It was the damnedest. Really? It was the damnedest opening ceremony I ever saw. Because nobody can do ceremonies like the Yankees. Right. You know? So, right. yeah, it was. Uh, and then DiMaggio, who always had to be. The greatest uh, living. The world's greatest living player. Bob Sh- And jo- Bob Shepard is doing the announcements, too. So, he could give you the. No screaming, you know. No, no, no just, there was no. Just, Let's go, Yankees! Just a very dramatic reading oh, of great pipes. Of, it was greatest, and he was funnier than hell because he would always be packed up with two outs in the ninth because he wanted to beat traffic. Right, they had a spot there because beating traffic is 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 a is a knack in New York that's uh, and especially that place because if you don't get on the bridge you can be there two hours uh, but he'd be packed up and somebody and he'd have his stuff because he didn't do the the scoreboard you know they'd started playing the song if they won and uh, right he didn't do the totals on the board or correct or anything like that he was ready to go but the guy would pop not pop up, not pop up, get a single or something or walk. He'd go sit down again, announce for the Yankees, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Then, then he'd get up, he'd be ready to go again. Then the guy, for, you know, for the Yankees, Mickey Rivers, center field. Then he'd go sit up again. And if that, if that guy popped up, by the time somebody caught it, he was in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had no idea. That's great. To, there was press. There, the elevator oh. wasn't at the back of the press box. You had to walk hundred feet, uh, maybe eighty feet down the hall, and get into the elevators to go downstairs. So he'd be ready to go, baby. I had no idea. Yeah. That's oh yeah, yeah great just, pipes. Well, he was a. English professor from he did Giants football too, right? Yes, he didn't did, he do yeah. Giants for a long. Yeah. He was a professor of communication or right. linguists or linguistics or something. You're right. He didn't yell like no. now. No. It was, uh, hell, the first year, first couple of years I was there, he wasn't working anymore, but John Drebinger would show up from the New York Times. He covered the babe. Wow. John was, you know, he was their beat. He was their 
baseball writer for 40 years or something. Right. He'd be there and, and having a table and Shepard would be talking to him and he'd, he'd come to five innings and then take off and go back. But, uh, yeah, that old place was something. Oh, it's, that yeah. That old place was, that, they had a little, the, uh, uh, the, the place to work was this kind of auxiliary lunchroom that they'd have that, that, uh, next to the, they, after the game, the press conference would be in the, in the caf- cafeteria dining room, huh? but next to it was this. But they turned this thing into a big workroom. Those New York guys, man, they could do some cursing at each other, and you know, and be yelling at the day. That was it was hand to hand combat then. And then there was some cell. Some nights there was about five payphones in there, and if they were having to call in a quote, you know, rather than send it in on the computer, or something, it was it was great. And that that was what the Times, the Post, the Daily News, Newsday. Newsday. There were probably I more. Think the other, the Herald Tribune was gone by then, but okay, uh, yeah. But there was one time there was the Daily Mirror. There was seven or eight of them. I think when I the first year I went was uh, first year I went to the series was eighty one Dodgers. You know they blew the they won the first two in Yankee Stadium and lost the next four. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when Dave Winfield got the death threats in the New York Post, and it was. It was a real battle between the news and the post to decide which one could terrify the people going to Yankee Stadium for game six the most. You know, the post won because the <laughs> the front the front of the paper, I've said this, says Yanks death threats. Big block letters, just Yanks death threats. And <laughs> Because Winfield had the death threat, but then they found one for Rick Cerrone, too. Why? I don't know. But And then the, when he turned it to the back cover, you know, the back cover was yeah. where sports lived yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Fear grip stadium. Fear grip stadium. It was the greatest. It was no the one greatest. could beat the post. No. It's no. still, to this day, it's great. Well, they're... Their best paid people had to be the hammerhead right Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, they had to have about three of these guys who would... You had to sell papers that people, they you know, they had like seven editions a day and they'd take them to the trains and you had to have headlines that would sell mm-hmm. papers to the commuters, you know, on the, because they had the daily, they had all the options, but the, like you were at Grand Central, the Times stack just sat there because it was either the Post or the Daily News. Right, you know? right, cause, yeah. Sometimes, and Newsday went tabloid later too, but the Newsday never really went all in on, tabloid which was you know what crime can we what can we uh how can we scare people the yes, absolute into most. My pay, into i've paper. always said my greatest regret in this town is we never had one. Oh yeah and now it's far too late yes it is but i always thought it would have been fun if the pioneer press had decided screw yeah, it we're going, tabloid. we're going for crime well i always said i would have if i was the editor if i had 15 news side reporters, eight of them would be on crime. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eight of them would be covered crime, you know? Yes. Because uh, we try to, the local newspapers have under tried to underplay that angle, not not only since George Floyd, but before it. Right. You know? So, anyhow, uh, 
the uh, now that we've got Buck taken care of, that uh, that was an amazing effort by our Timberwolves. After an amazing effort, that was fun. Previous game because that arena was fun because I did not imagine them showing up. Did you? I didn't know what to expect. No, I had no I mean, idea. They had to be encouraged early. Here's what I want to know: Are the Memphis papers and the media killing John Morant? I have no idea, but I'm guessing they are. You think so? That, I wonder if that game edgy. four performance wasn't too great. Well, he hasn't. I mean, he, was, he hasn't been good really. He doesn't make shots, right? But the first game, he got to the when they free beat throw him. Line. He lived inside the the defense, as as Finch said. But they figured some stuff out. They've stayed. I think Beverly's done a good job on him, and and other guys. They've slapped the ball away from him a lot, but. They've realized that that's where they got to stop him. But to do that, then they have to let the other guy make three pointers and hope he doesn't, you know, hope he has a lousy game. One that Bane. That's Ooh, what I mean. Yeah. Bane can shoot. <laughs> he can shoot. But um, hey, good for them. They came back and shut us all up because, as we talked about Friday, that thing Thursday was one of the worst yeah. efforts in the history of Minnesota sports to blow those two leads. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. I modern athletes are funny though. This generation of athletes are funny. They shrug that stuff off more than any previous athletes, don't you? I think they hey, we all get worried about oh, how are they gonna recover from this, blah, blah, blah. And they yeah, what the hell? Well, they're in it they're in it for themselves and they just you know. Which cat do we get now though? Well, I blame for that play-in game, I blame Cat. And for the game three, I blame him to a degree, but I blame Finch a lot, too. For not you getting have the ball to, more? You have to figure out something yep. to get him the ball. But doesn't he got to, at some point in that game, say, i got to have the damn ball? Yeah, you're right. He You'd just like starts to pouting. see that. But... Drives me crazy. Well, you know, when there was... 26 and 25 point leads what they were doing was working you know right yeah so he didn't he didn't have to take shots i mean he was but when it starts to go south yes don't yes, you got to say yes. hey gentlemen when it starts to go south the coach has got to become involved right yeah and i you know yeah, yeah I don't you're right that. but here's here i'll tell you what cat's going to show up i think going to call three fouls on him in the first quarter he didn't change his game. They just decided not to call the fouls on him in the first quarter, right? Yeah, yes. That's I mean, probably largely And the next true. game, they might decide to call the fouls on him instead of the other guy. An NBA officiating in the playoffs, I don't get. No. And, and I'm not defending the Wolves, and I, I know that the Grizzlies were ticked off after game four. Mm-hmm. But there is no rhyme or reason to the consistency. No. I, I heard Monty Williams last night who yeah. came in, accepted the defeat, and then said they shot 42 free throws and we shot 17. Mm-hmm. He said, and it's not that we don't go to the basket. So, you know, he's, it is, uh, it, it's not like hockey where they keep the, Gary Olson used to say they kept the marbles in the pocket to, to straighten out the, the penalties, you know, to keep me even. It's not like, uh, uh, you know, the NBA is 
the NBA has become such a game that allows physical play mm-hmm. that then then it becomes complete object it it's it's not a it's not an objective thing it's a subjective thing you know it's like yes. okay are we going to call that tonight or are we going to let them beat the crap out of each other uh yeah it's uh i i think it's become virtually impossible to play to to officiate and the other night people were complaining like hell game 3 there were or was the game which one had 56 fouls in it which whichever one but that game, that game three, you had to call blow the whistle because that thing could have turned into punches being thrown. That thing was just wild. What, what I didn't get about game four was early on, it felt like they were calling everything, mm-hmm. including offensive fouls right and yeah. left. And then they sort of went away from that. And then I just, I don't know what the, cons- I don't, there's no, there's no point I got to that game and thought to myself, I now know what a foul no, is. Old people too, like me complain about there's no traveling, but they complain about, I didn't mind when a guy shuffled his feet up out high. I've never been asked traveling, but the Euro step oh, God, has shame. become the double Euro step. Yes. That, you know, that that's a bunch of crap. They should not be allowed to run. They should not be allowed to run because they, you can go to the, you can go to the free throw line on a drive and Take one dribble mm-hmm. and four steps, and they'll give you the basket. You get you get two steps now. It's not the euro step. It's there's two steps. There's yeah. some ungodly, ungodly footwork allowed that's uh, ridiculous. It, fe- it feels like they call travels. If you fumble the ball a little bit yourself, or you don't have a decisive action with it, but if you seem like you know what you're doing, they let you walk. Yeah, yeah. The the little running thing is like if you if you have the ball in your possession like a football, mm-hmm. they're not going to call it. If you fumble it a little bit, but I just I don't know. There's just no consistency. No, that's my only problem. And again, I'm not saying that the the wolves are not being screwed. It just goes both ways. No. I don't know what the consistency. Yeah, now is. in Memphis, they're convinced that. Uh... The, they've gotten the shorthand. And, well, and what's a foul on Ja? That's my like. I want to know what's a, what's considered. And this little guy. I mean, this guy goes into the paint he constantly. Runs into people, yeah. So is that a foul? Because sometimes it is. Yeah. When he gets not he well he's he's in there looking for fouls. Yeah, you know, he's in there looking to. I mean, he he's a diver. He's mm-hmm. you no, know, he's a he's a flopper, but. When he's got the ball, not when he's trying to take charges and stuff right. like that. Yeah, he wants to get hit and go to the floor. I really think, though, they need a much stronger mechanism to stop the bitching after every play. Oh, yeah. You can't just keep calling technicals, but there has to be some. Yes. There has to be something because they really. Yeah, you're right. They really make it for a lot of. Basketball, not purists, but traditionalists, they make it unwatchable with the with the constant complaints about every call. Plus, <laughs> plus you got the crowd right here. This this is the these are the most dangerous arenas in sports because Tell me about people it. are on top of the mm-hmm. action, right? 
They all they got to do is take a step, and they're on the court. Well, how how about the protester on Saturday? We had two, right? We had two, but they got right behind Glenn Taylor in the Wolves mm-hmm. bench, and she sprinted out on the the floor. The security guy was sitting right by her, saw what was happening, and cut her off as she got onto the floor and tackled her. But the point, but your point's absolutely correct. Like depending on what your intention is, yeah, that can be. Extremely yes. dangerous. What? Uh, th- th- this one didn't have a sign or anything. She just wanted to scream insults. Or uh, yeah. Suppo- so, so I got the press release. They supposedly wanted her to then like run on the floor and then go confront Glenn because he's sit- sitting right there front row mm-hmm. by the bench. Uh, but as she got on the floor, the security guy was was basically with her and tackled her, and then and then her friend who was videoing it from right behind those seats was escorted out. Mm-hmm. But she didn't go on the floor, only one, one did. And she had a, the protester had a referee shirt on. I think she was trying to melt. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Who knows? What are we mad at? We're killing chickens inhumanely? Yeah. I So Glenn had a chicken farm or something yeah, in he Iowa. Egg farm. Egg farm. Egg farm. And the chickens got avian flu. Got avian flu and, and so they, they put them down in like, a, I guess what they do is they turn the heat up in the room the chickens mm-hmm. are in until no. they basically die. Yes, and, and we're. I don't know. I think they ought to use the Richard Ricey method to dispose of the chickens. What's that? You got a log out on the backyard, and then you got a kind of a hook nail, and then you put the chicken's head through it. Ow! And then you chop the head off, and then they run around the backyard, and it's that would be a lot of. Oh, chickens. the protesters would go away then. <laughs> That'd be a lot of chickens, wouldn't it? Oh my God! The old man. Oh. The old man would go to the farm. He go to. He loved boiled chicken. I didn't like boiled. He loved boiled chicken. The old man would go to the farm and buy two chickens, bring them home in a burlap sack, right? So these weren't sick chickens. No, these were these were chickens he'd buy from a farmer, probably a buck for two of them, or fifty cents or something. Yep. And they might sit in the burlap sack for a couple hours before he's ready, and then they chop that off. Which is what everybody did. Well, that's what, yeah. But I didn't know about the nail thing. Well, you got to get the head, and you can't just, you know, you got, because the head's, you got to get it so the head ain't moving around, right? Then you just do it. It's it's very merciful, because I think when they're running, they're already dead, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, I think after you die, I think after people die, you still twitch around a little bit. Like, 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 you don't go lights out all. All, no. all at once, right? You know what? How much? What would you? Let's say that's how you had to dispose of humanely dispose of chickens. Yeah. What would you have to pay those guys an hour to be the oh, chicken chopper head or head? Well, it depends how chopping the chicken's head off. Like yeah. if they're like perverted hu- humans, they might do it for <laughs> very cheap, free, free, for free, free, just to kill the chickens. We we didn't do this for entertainment. I, I couldn't do it. We didn't do this for entertainment. We did it for things. chicken. Yeah. You know, one of the big problems with chicken, it tastes too damn good. That's why we got to raise them. Plus, I do like chicken. they lay eggs. Eggs is the greatest food ever, right? <laughs> chicken eggs. Never been a better food. That's true. Good omelets. You can outstanding. do anything. Yeah. Anything. You can do anything with an egg, and you can do anything with chicken. You know what I think? I think Glenn Taylor should give you a new job in (laughs) charge of spin for the chicken. They have the misfortune of being the tastiest, most productive. Why don't we get mad that we... Well, a good cow's pretty tasty. You know, this poor... (laughs) 
this poor hen chicken. I do love prime rib. She goes through the trouble <laughs> of why do they keep laying eggs? That's what I want to know. Why don't they just say, the hell with this? I'm going to go through the agony of plopping out a couple of eggs and somebody's going to come in and steal them. It's a really good question. I'm just not going to do it anymore. I don't think they're deep thinkers. So ch- chicken strike? <laughs> I don't think. Why don't they come to the games and protest? I don't know. I don't think they're deep thinkers, chickens. I don't think so. Why don't they come to game five and protest themselves? The chickens. Yes. I need two tickets. Yes. But, sir, you're a chicken. I need two tickets right behind the Wolves bench. They ought to get an old San Diego chicken uniform. That's what I said. I sent someone an old to get Ted Giannolis back or whatever the hell his name was. Hey, the San Diego, they don't still have a chicken, do they? No, the I chicken mean, has been. I know the, the original chicken. Yeah, no, no, out. but they, I, they I, don't, I don't think they, they've had a mascot for years. That chicken had to be there 30 years, didn't he? Well, yeah, and originally he was the radio station chicken. And then he went out. And, but then he went by himself. Went, and then he went out. And, and then, then he went tour. He, yeah, then he became. I think he came to Met Stadium a, one time. Oh, yeah, he went to minor league games all over the country, yeah. too. He was. He Nothing was, could beat the loon, though. I've always told Dave St. Peter, bring back the damn loony bird. <laughs> I love that. The greatest, the you cheapest know, costume ever. And used to be used to be picked on unmercifully by the, the youth, the, the beer-drinking youth, stealing I was there. his feathers and poking them. He ended up going, uh, working on cruise ships instead. Oh, the guy that did the yeah, uh, loony? the guy who did Twinkie the Loon. He, he had some talent. I can't remember what it was, but he went to do cruise ships. Yeah, you got to Google Twinkie the Loon. Oh, it It'll come great. up. It's the cheapest damn cost. Calvin, must, that thing must have been Oh, my God. 13. I've seen this, yeah. Oh. This was Don Cassidy. I think we got to bring it back. They probably gave Cassidy eight bucks to do oh, it. Oh, my gosh. Cassidy was the ticket manager, promotions manager, and... Public relations, corporate guy. He had all three jobs. Now we got 700 guys doing that, right? Oh, God. It's he the greatest, though. He had them all. But how do you get the loon? And then they, they would have that pathetic loon call come through yes, the old scoreboard. Right. Uh, it sounded like they were shooting the loon. Cassidy's proudest achievement, though. Halter Day. Halter Top Day. I went to a couple of those. Halter Top Day, about three, four years. The, the, the halters were worth 25 cents a piece, right? No, there was not a lot of material. The entertainment. No, yes. The entertainment far more. Drunk young ladies on halter day were mm. hard to beat. Yeah. Sunday to afternoons. Beat. Yes, right. I was at a, at least one of them. I bet you were. As the a, the well, best was from the real early years when Halsey was on. Well, Halsey was on through 74, I believe. Maybe through 73. Okay. But they would have bat day. Yes. And for years, they gave out the bats when you they yes. trusted the public. They gave out the bats when you entered the stadium. Oh, my God. So they gave away 20,000 bats, right? People. But they'd all pound yes. up there in this. I've, and they I've heard be, about this. They would be pounding above Halsey's, Halsey's radio booth. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. And Halsey would be grousy, doing everything but swearing. <laughs> and it was the metal stands, too. Yes, so, yes metal stands. So the rust came, would be coming so you, up. Yeah, they'd be pounding. And, and uh, Ray Scott and Herbie would needle him unmercifully about it, too, and get him all riled up, and he'd have his cigar going. And and that was... It would, you couldn't go to the game on halter day. 
Because you wanted to listen to Halsey, com- not Halter Day, Bad Day, because you wanted to hear Halsey bitch about it. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, giving people bats as they walk. You you think about things that have changed, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Giving bats to people yes. as, they walk they, in, as they walk before, in, as they're going to, as many of them will be, or at, at least their parents will be consuming several yes, bears. right, yeah. And that they would draw the first few years. They drew huge crowds for Bad Day, huge crowds. And uh, halter top day. Halter what a, top. What a product of the seventies. Halsey, man, one of the great moments in Twins history. Night game in Anaheim. <laughs> night game in Anaheim. I'm for some reason listening to the radio, and but the games on TV too, and they show this couple. And Anaheim's got 12,000 people there, and they show this couple down in right field making out, you know, kissing each other. And he said, he said this, and I, I think it was accidental, but he kisses her on the strikes and she kisses him on the balls. Yep. He says, and Ray Scott and Herb Carneal did not get a batter <laughs> description in. For the rest of that half inning, and they were still laughing at the start of the next half inning. Okay. They could not speak. They would start, uh, you know, whoever it was, you know, whoever it was for Adelaide, Bobby, not that was before uh, Bobby Gretsch, whoever, Billy Console, and then they just start howling with laughter. It was unbelievable. Oh, God. And then Halsey started. Then, of course, famously, the t- Halsey always had the cigar going and they had the ticker tape in there. The ticker yep. tape would pile up and pile up and he lit it on fire one day. Damn near burned him. Burned him yeah, to Chicago? death. Chicago? Someplace. I think it was yeah. a com- the old Comiskey. <laughs> yeah, and he's going, ah, and he's, and you can hear him stop. Blazer caught on fire? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, what a character. What a character he was. They tell the story. You know, he was a the Miller's beat writer. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then he also covered the Gophers and stuff. And uh, but he go to the Millers game, and then he go to he did the ten twenty sports on WCCO radio. Yep. And then he'd forget he hadn't written his game story, and he'd go to some bar and he'd be drinking, and they'd call him up and say, "Halsey, you haven't filed your story yet." To be like eleven fifteen at night or something. And <laughs> he would. Have, this is way before me, but half the time it was he was. You know, he forgot. Did they just write it for him then? Or did well, some, they'd use the AP and say, Halsey, give us three graphs and we'll slap a six on top of that. He'd forget to write his gamer because he'd go uh, go drinking, you know. He was he was I'm, a little advanced age. Then. We both said that guy has to be in the Twins Hall of Fame. Yes. Has to be. He's in the Minnesota Hall of Fame. Yeah, he has to be in the Twins Hall yes, of Fame. Yes. What, you, and you can't wait for him to be voted in. No, it's never going to happen. No one knows no, who he is anymore. Uh, no, you have to. Just he died when I was like seven. Yeah, but he was basically, as far as I can, he he was the media icon before Sid. He was Sid has his critic had his critics right. Yep, for damn good reason. But everybody Halsey was beloved, mm-hmm. beloved by everybody. But I mean, he was bigger than life yes. as far as those jobs went. And one reason was CCO. Because he was on CCO and, you know, when TV was before TV and then when TV wasn't everywhere, they used to say that uh, they'd be flying airplanes yep. and they'd be 
in rural, over rural Minnesota, and at 10.30, all the lights would go out at the farmhouses because mm-hmm. they were all listening to WCCO radio. Mm-hmm. Cedric Adams, who was a, a, the, the uh, afternoon star columnist, he could write some BS, I'll tell you. <laughs> he could write some nonsense. But uh, he was huge. He was the, he was the newsreader, and he, he read the news on TV some, too. But uh, I didn't know he wrote. He was the newsreader, and I can't remember. They had somebody do weather, too. I can't remember who that was. But, uh, yeah, oh, Cedric Adams was. He had an office. Sid told some stories about. Cedric would have some visitors. Okay. Of the female persuasion. <laughs> and uh, there would be a lot of, uh, it was Mad Men. It was, uh, it was Mad Men back then. You know, he had an office, and, but he was huge. Oh. He'd, he'd, write, he'd re- basically recycle the same columns the, all year long. Like my hometown had all these crazy last names, Dorping mm-hmm. House and Oidel Oidel and that whole area down there. And about once every year, he'd say he'd have a list of folded names to take up last names to take up one of the graphs in his. The old school column. newspaper columnist mm-hmm. is one of the most interesting jobs. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. We uh, when I was at the uh, St. Paul early on, they had a columnist they called Oliver Town, which was all over town. It came <laughs> And that went back years, but they had different Oliver Town columnists. You know, you would inherit the Oliver Town column. And yeah. that lasted through the 70s. But they had Gareth Hebert was the Oliver Town columnist, the last one, I believe. And there's famous stories about, you know, Gareth. Gareth would get himself a deal on some refrigerators <laughs> and stuff like that. There would be a columnist about a, there'd be a column about a, refrigerator repairman and stuff like that, you know. So, or the Lexington would have several columns written about him during the course of a year. But the famous story that the editor stops him at the elevator and says, Gareth, Gary, everybody called him Gary. He says, Gary, we can't really run this one. And he said, oh, okay. And he popped open his briefcase and handed him another one. <laughs> he had like 12. Those are going to say quit. <laughs> no, he had about 12. <laughs> there. He just handed him another one. It was all over town. You know? <laughs> He'd meet somebody from St. Paul and write a column about him. The named columns were great. They were. Yeah. What was the one in them? That was the. The uh, Chicago Tribune had in the wake of the news. Yeah. Yeah. That was for true. years. That was true. Yeah. David Condon wrote. Uh, was Condon? What was Condon wrote? That was before my time, too. But, yeah, they were, they were well, the, the New York Times, uh, Sports of the Times, was a, yep. was the Arthur Daly and those guys were, I think Dave Anderson, when he first started, was Sports of the Times. That was the, they had other columns, but the lead column right. was the Sports of the column. And you didn't go out and write a lot of features. No, no, you, you didn't gave, go find a. You gave a hard opinion on. Yep. Uh, if you ever read, I should give it to you, Shirley Povich's book on column writing. But Shirley, I got to know him in his 90s, you know, and wrote a column on him during the World Series, was sitting behind him at the Washington Post columnist, Guy, one of, from the South. So they Shirley is a male, can right. be a male name down there. Right. But, you know, Shirley was like made one of the most 
a hundred influential women in America several times, you know, cause they saw, they just knew the first name and stuff like that. <laughs> but he was the Ripken game, the record breaking Ripken game. He was sitting in front of us. He was sitting in front of me and Wilbon was writing columns in and for the post and was sitting next to him. And I, I've told this story that one of the special Ripken balls comes back into the press box. It was right below me. It hit the, the, the back, you know, there was an elevated thing and it hit the back, bounced down to the floor, bounced up, landed right in front of Wilbon, one of these special baseballs. And he looked and says, this is for you, Mr. Povich. And he gave him the, he gave Shirley the ball. Shirley had covered Lou Gehrig's uh, send-off speech in oh my July God. 4th. So Shirley was, uh, you know, Shirley was, had a Ripken ball and he was at, I'm the luckiest man on the face of the earth speech in Yankee stadium. But he was, there's a famous story about him. Uh, like somebody asked, Shirley, what are you writing uh, for today or something? Cause he'd come in in the afternoon and write for the next minute. What is ever in the news, young man? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, it was a little different. You didn't go out and look for an angle, you know, you just, you know, commented nationally, right. locally. Right. <clears throat> For instance, you would now write a, without talking to anybody, you'd write about Buxton or you'd write about the Timberwolves or, but you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't need input from anybody to right. do so. So anyhow, what else we got? We got our Wolves. Who do you, I have no idea. To, are they going to get to a game seven? I think they probably will. Don't you? I think the way things are going. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the uh, yeah, because I I think they might I lose on the, Tuesday. When I think Friday. we I think we will be complaining about the officiating Tuesday. That's my theory. That the Timberwolves yeah, probably. will be complaining. I hate that it's going to be the other way around. I hate that though. Yes, I hate complaining about the officiating. Mm-hmm. It's equally bad. Yes, yes. But yeah, I could see them. I could see the Wolves losing on Tuesday. Win on Friday here and then go go back for game seven. Our hockey team can't even lose to Nashville when Nashville has to win. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Fiala, what are you going to do with him? How much is he going to cost? Well, that, that's the question. That's that the question. guy's going to have him 100 points. The question is, but is he in the 90s price, yet? His price tag. He's got 88 points, right? Yeah, I think he's got, yes. Unbelievable. Yeah, I, I believe that he, so he and Kaprizov have both established the single season points, Mark, now. Both have bypassed what Gabrick had. What happened to him? We were down on him for 20 games, weren't we? 25? Yeah, I don't know. Is that He's, you know, not he's a little long. bit up and down at times, but he, for the last two years, for the most part, he's been pretty phenomenal. Kaprizov's a different world, but Fiala's been, de- and lately Fiala's unbelievable. I think he has, what, Dex, 10 goals in the last 10 games, something like that? He got points. five just points upset. the other night, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you have five assists. He, he's making some. He's setting up some other guys. You have five too, assists right? against the uh, Kraken. Mm-hmm. God bless the Kraken. Well, we can thank the uh, previous uh, Paul Fenton. Paul Fenton. Paul Fenton, Fenton and, and Gerson. Gerson. Gerson and Paul Fenton. Has Paul come back and had dinner in the press room yet? No, but I, I told you. I saw room? I, Game Gerson? three, I walked in. Who's standing right there? Gerson, Gerson. having dinner, walking so around. There's got to be a statue, you Gerson. <laughs> let's build Let's build that statue. Take, taking the uh, walk over to show somebody from the Knicks. Our facility. Are the Knicks jealous of our facility? Yeah, I think it was uh, Dolan's kid, right? Okay. I think it was a Dolan family member who, yeah, who, who he took. A, well, he probably just was going... 
I mean, my, my guess is if they're going to build something, who knows what the Knicks. What? You know what? This ain't a bad year to get through the first round in the West. Now, Golden Boom. State's good. Yep. But can Draymond guard Cat? This is as good a year. And now Phoenix is, might not get by these guys because they got Chris Paul didn't score the last 42 minutes. Yep. And, and Booker ain't coming back. No, soon. Booker's not coming back. So all of a sudden, you know, and then that that semifinal, the other semifinal over there is Dallas or uh, Utah. Mm-hmm. Utah's not as good as they've been. Utah's, you know not- what this, you know what outside 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 chance that this could be for the Wolves what two thousand three was for yeah, the it Wild. doesn't happen in the NBA too often. No, it doesn't. But, and Golden, you're right. Right now, Golden State. Uh, you know, looks great, but playing three guards, you know, can you figure out a way to take advantage of your height? I mean, they can certainly, the Wolves can certainly win the first round. Like, we, we've yes. seen enough now. Yes. They can win the series. Mm-hmm. It won't be off the charts unbelievable if they do. But as long-term Wolves followers, none of us are going to run out to Vegas and bet on them. No, hell no. Because something bad, you would expect something bad well, to happen. I guess my question is this. If Memphis gets what what they want, which is tighter officiating against the Wolves on Tuesday, yes, this cat meltdown again. Oh yeah, because he'll get more fouls Tuesday. Yeah, now. yeah. But if yes. he melts down again, then then you're probably just screwed. Yeah, then you come home and it it will always be remembered as the series you should have a three to one lead in. Yeah, though, right. Although I told Declan this, I said the thing about that is if they win, if they do what they should have done in Game Three, I, then they might not. Win I don't know. Game Four plays out like yeah, that. Cat does not play like he did in Game Four without the without being insulted by everybody. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. Well, it's, that's the and this you, the Grizzlies. <laughs> I give them credit; they are tough. Like they, they, are. they hang in there. Yeah, they don't go away. No, they. Well, in fact, they came and got it back to one point. Was yes. What the hell are you doing here, fellas? Tyus had a shot to tie it, right? Yes, missed. And he's been making he's been most great. of them. He's been playing good. I like that. Yeah, that guy. All righty. Well, uh, Minnesota sports, very exciting right now. So, anyway, let's let's see what happens. It's going to be a long spring with those wild, though. We'll do it again next week. All righty. If you have questions about your retirement savings, do what I did and work with a person that knows what the heck is going on. Uh, work with Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk. My guy, Josh, will give you straight talk and not sugar-coated advice. Learn how you can benefit from Josh's focused approach by setting up your own no-cost, no-obligation, 48-minute consultation to review your investments. Call Josh now, 952-925-5608.